This is the Chapel of DBTS. Be sure to subscribe and listen to the Chapel messages weekly. And for more info, please go to dbts.edu. And now today's message. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be back with you and uh, invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and we'll be looking at uh, verses 59 through 60 in just a moment. I have uh, three children, and one of them is celebrating his birthday this weekend. Um, And uh, when we were just out of town on vacation this past week, just returned on Sunday, and um, decided to celebrate his birthday while we were away. And uh, actually, just we decided to celebrate his due date because he was actually born a week later than uh, he was due. Actually, all three of my children were born a week later than they were due because all three of them had to be induced. Um, but uh, for most people, your entry into the world or most people's entry into the world is not scheduled in this way. Most people have a who are expecting a child, most couples who are expecting a child have a vague idea or a decent idea of when the child will be born but some children arrive earlier than expected and some like mine need a little coaxing and arrive later than expected that's because there are certain things in life that can't be scheduled or not scheduled precisely i don't know about you but i'm a planner i like things that are scheduled and i must say it upsets me when my scheduled plans get messed with And so I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten better about um, going with the flow and not being so attached to the schedule that I can't abide uh, changes to it. But for the most part, I like a life that is neat. I like a life that is scheduled. I like a life that is predictable. This is probably why I liked academics so much because assignments were well planned. You know when the semester would begin and end and so on. But much of life can be scheduled, but much of it cannot be scheduled. And here in um, Luke chapter 9, we encounter three very short stories about Christ calling disciples, or in in two of the cases, men volunteering to become disciples of Christ. And the one I want to focus on this morning is the middle of the three, but uh, I think it's helpful for us to look at all three so we understand the context. So if you look at uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, the scripture says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, First let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Again, these are all uh, three very short stories. They all revolve around discipleship and what it means. 
The first talks about, uh, or actually two of them, I should say, um, involve volunteers. The first in verse 57, a man volunteered to follow Jesus by saying, I'll follow you wherever you go. And the last of them also volunteered. Verse 61, another said, still, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. The middle one was called by Christ, and uh, he's the one we'll focus on. But all three of them have to have the cost of following Jesus spelled out for them, probably because they had unclear or incomplete expectations of what it would look like to be a follower of Jesus. And so the first man who volunteered needed to be told that following Jesus would mean an inconvenient and uncomfortable life for him. Jesus had no permanent home on this earth, and as he told all of his disciples, you must follow the master, you must live as I live, and that means you shouldn't expect a convenient and comfortable life for yourself. The second one had to change the plans that he had made. And again, we'll focus in on him in a moment. And the third one had to be told that he needed to follow Christ with a relentless amount of focus. And so all three of these men then were challenged when it came to being followers of Jesus Christ. But as I said, I want to focus on the third or the second of those uh, three. And so this morning, if you would look with me again at verse 59, we see the one of the three that Jesus called. And it said in verse 59, And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. As I uh, said in my opening, some things in life can be scheduled for later and some things cannot. And there are many people in this world who would like to schedule obedience to Jesus for later on in their life. You will encounter these people in your ministry if you haven't encountered them already. And um, there are many reasons why someone might want to schedule their obedience to Christ for later. This man seems to have a legitimate reason for wanting to schedule obedience to Christ later. He said in verse 59, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now you understand that in the Jewish culture and Jewish context in which Jesus lived and ministered, honoring your parents was extremely important. So important that it was in the Big Ten, right? The Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. And not only was it part of being a um, good Jewish man, a good devoted follower of God to honor your parents, but there were a lot of cultural expectations built around a man's parents. And a man was expected to follow his father's leadership. Even once he became an adult, he was still expected to, fo- to honor his father. And then once his father died, he was expected to honor him with a proper burial before becoming then the patriarch of his clan or his family. And so in Jesus' world, this man's request, let me bury my father and then I'll do what you say, Lord, is a reasonable one taken from the context in which he lived. This is the way that men honored their fathers in his culture. And so it doesn't seem unreasonable and would seem even less unreasonable to the original readers of this passage and to the disciples who followed Jesus to consider this man's request. But I think it's helpful for us to dig into the potential interpretations of this passage. Luke didn't give us a whole lot of context here. And so we have to speculate a bit about what this man's father's status in this world exactly was. And, of course, there are three possible uh, ways of interpreting this passage. 
One is that his father was sick. This man's father was sick and expected to die soon. And you can imagine how this man, perhaps when Jesus came to his region, would follow Christ as much as he could, would soak up Jesus' teachings. But in the back of his mind, he had this concern about his father on his deathbed and was wondering how much longer he would have with his father and was thinking about the sequence of events that would follow his father's death and what would be required of him to honor his father properly. And so it may be that the reason this comes out of his mouth when Jesus calls him to follow him, when he calls the man to follow Jesus, maybe the reason he says this is because it's constantly in the back of his mind due to his his father's condition. It's one possible interpretation. Another possible interpretation is that his father had already died. And that perhaps this man was on his way to take care of his father's remains. And so perhaps this is why this is the first thing that pops out of his mind. Because he was actually in the middle of doing what was required of him in his culture. And he's saying, Lord, just give me a day or two to wrap up my father's affairs. And then I'll follow you. I'll find you where you are. And I'll willingly do what you ask me to do. And the third possible interpretation, of course, is that his father was alive and healthy and had many years, perhaps many decades of life left. And so which of these interpretations could be correct? I mean, they all could be correct, but which seems most likely? Well, if you think about it, each of these interpretations casts the man in a different light, and they cast Jesus in a different light as well. If, for instance, this man's father was sick and was expected to die, then this man's request is eminently reasonable. He's asking Jesus for a short delay of maybe a week or two weeks at the most. I mean, even today it's hard to know, even when someone's dying, when they exactly will die. But I'm sure that if this is the possible interpretation, if this man's father was sick, he wasn't expecting a long period of time between the time in which he would bury his father and follow Jesus. And so his request seems pretty reasonable. This makes Jesus look pretty unreasonable. Because Jesus is saying, I know your father is dying, but don't worry about that. Let everyone else handle him, and you come and follow me. And so this man looks reasonable, and Christ looks unreasonable. The second interpretation that this man's father had died, and they were actually, he was actually on his way to burying him, cast both men in even, in even uh, stronger light, in even greater contrast between them. Again, the man's is if that this is the case, his father had already died, he's asking Jesus for a delay of maybe a day or two. It, in their culture, there was not a long period of time between the death of a person and that person's burial. They didn't have the means of preserving a body for very long. And so um, this man is simply asking for a short delay. And so he looks like a very conscientious son in this case, a man who's trying to do what is expected of him, both uh, religiously and culturally in his context. And This makes Jesus look extremely unreasonable. Jesus is saying, drop everything and follow me. And even though your father is dead, that shouldn't be a concern of yours. And so Christ looks quite unreasonable there. The third interpretation, which I don't know about you, I haven't heard a lot of messages on this passage, but the one that I do remember hearing, this was the interpretation that the man preaching the message took, which is that this man's father was alive and well and healthy and had many years and possibly decades of life in front of him. And so this disciple then is simply a guy who wants to follow Jesus according to his own schedule. He wants to put Jesus into his calendar and say, Jesus, I do want to follow you. But 
let me live the life that I've planned for myself here. And then after my father dies and I do what's required of me, then, Lord, I'll find you wherever you are and then I'll follow you. Well, if this is the proper interpretation, this guy looks quite unreasonable by discipleship standards. Unlike Peter, James, and John, who left their, you know, they left their boats behind, they left their father in the boat in one case, and followed Jesus. Here's a man who says, Lord, I want to follow you, but but let me do it on my own schedule. And of course, this makes Jesus look uh, very reasonable, um, because this is what Jesus does. Jesus calls people to follow him. And they either follow him or not. So which one of these is correct? Well, I think probably one of the first two is the more likely. Because I don't know about you, but when I look at Jesus, I don't see him being super reasonable in the way that he calls people to follow him. Jesus is the Lord. And he knew everyone's circumstance that he encountered. And if this man's father had just died, I mean, they could literally have been carrying him to his place of burial and it would not be in my understanding of the person of jesus out of the realm of jesus personality for him to say let the others keep carrying your father and you come and follow me and so any way you cut it and any way you want to look at this passage here's a man who is in some way trying to schedule his obedience to christ and jesus is having none of it jesus is saying you need to put aside your concerns For this world and follow me. Notice what Jesus says to him in verse 60. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. This is a very harsh thing to say, right? Because Jesus is is using the, uh, the concept of death as a spiritual analogy. That's the way I take this passage. Jesus is saying, let those who are spiritually dead, those who don't have the life that I have, uh, that I give by my grace, let them bury the physically dead, you have a different kind of priority if you're truly my disciple. And again, it's helpful for us to remember when we talk about contexts of discipleship, we're not talking about people who serve Jesus, you know, in in full-time Christian ministry like I am and like you're preparing to do. Disciples in the scriptures are any follower of Jesus. They're anyone who has received the free gift of eternal life by faith. And Jesus makes unreasonable demands by the world's standards and often by our own standards on every kind of follower of his. Whether it's to live an uncomfortable life like the first man that Jesus encountered or to drop your own schedule and your own priority and live according to Jesus' timetable, this is how Jesus treats his disciples. He expects absolute obedience to the will of God to an unreasonable degree in ways that our culture and the people around us will not understand, in ways that cast us even in a bad light because we have such different priorities from the world around us, the culture around us, and even sometimes those who also count themselves among Christ's followers. And so here we have a man who wants to schedule his uh, obedience to Christ, and like I said, you will find people like this in your own ministry today. You'll find different kinds of people who want to schedule their discipleship in one way or another. Some people want to schedule Jesus for later because they want to sin now and follow Jesus later. It seems like I uh, encountered this more when I was younger and uh, talking with my peers who wanted to taste some of what this world offered. They wanted to experience 
some of the pleasures of sin that are offered to us. And then they say, and then once I've lived my own life for a while, then I'll follow Jesus. I I didn't meet too many people who would actually say it that directly, but I did meet one who said it that directly. And so I think there are people out there like that. There There are young people that you'll encounter, or maybe even some older people who will say, I want to live everything that or live according to everything that this world has to offer and then once i have encountered and and experienced the pleasures of sin then i'll repent of my sin and follow jesus you might meet somebody like that in the course of your ministry you might also meet someone who wants to accomplish certain goals in their life first and then follow christ later of course uh part of the culture in which jesus lived and maybe what's reflected in this man's objection to following Christ now, is that when a man died, the, his firstborn inherited most of what that man owned. And again, we don't have a lot of context here. Luke doesn't tell us if he's the firstborn or not. But if he was, he could be forfeiting quite a large nest egg, quite a fortune to follow Jesus. And so whether his father was sick, already dead, or had a long life ahead of him, There was a heavy cost, perhaps, involved in following Jesus now. And maybe what he's saying is, when my dad dies, I'll be set for life. And so then I'll have the means to follow Jesus, and it'll be a lot easier to follow him because I won't have to be like the the first man that Jesus encounters who has no place to lay his head. I'll have the means to provide for myself. You meet people like this in the course of their Christian life. I've met them. People who are doing well in the business world and may not like their job that much, but they like the pay that it provides. And I've had people tell me, I do want to you know, go into the ministry, or I do have a desire to do missions, or I would like to be involved more in the church, but I have a pretty lucrative job, and I would really like to build my nest egg, retire early, and then give my life to following Jesus. And so you'll meet people who would like to schedule their obedience to Christ in some way there, in that way. Some people want to schedule their obedience to Christ until they're better prepared. And um, I'm a big believer in being prepared to follow Christ. Uh, I loved my time at the seminary, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, It prepared me well, and I'm thankful that I took time to do it. But during the course of my time in seminary, I met other seminarians who were not active in the local church. They wanted to follow Jesus when they finished seminary. At least I assume so. I mean, what else were they here for? But, but when you ask them about their own personal practice of following Christ and serving the Lord in his church, you know, sometimes you get a blank look or you get a, a very weak answer. Look, if we're following Jesus, if we're truly his disciples, if we've received his grace and salvation, that means we want to serve him now. And it's true that Once you finish seminary, you do have more time available to serve Christ. But how can you be learning God's word and developing skills for serving Jesus and, if you love Jesus, not want to put them into practice right away? I don't know, but there are people out there who will want to delay their discipleship until they're better prepared. But according to what Christ says in verse 60, it appears that scheduling obedience to Christ until later just shows that you have misplaced priorities. It doesn't really matter what your reason for wanting to schedule your obedience to Christ is. And it doesn't matter whether you want a short amount of delay or a long delay in following Jesus. 
Both of those reflect misplaced priority. In Jesus' statement in verse 60, says, Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This statement, which I've already told you my interpretation of, that Christ is using the image of death to describe the spiritually dead around this man, those who did not follow his, uh, did not receive the message of Christ, and did not follow Jesus as their Lord, they are spiritually dead. They had not received the quickening power of the Spirit to awaken their hearts to the message of the gospel so that they bowed before the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and were willing to serve him. And Jesus is saying, I understand their priority. What you're saying reflects the kind of priority of those who have no spiritual life. They might look at serving God in a positive way, but it's not for them because they have different priorities in this life. And in challenging the man this way, Jesus is challenging the man's faith. In fact, every one of these is a challenge to the faith of these men. It's a challenge to the faith of these men to whether they are genuinely followers of Jesus Christ or whether they're surface-level followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus who are willing to do it when it's comfortable and convenient for them, in the case of the first man that Jesus called. Followers of Jesus, when it uh, can be scheduled into their calendar according to their own priorities. Followers of Jesus, but with a divided mind in the case of the third. But, but all of these men, Jesus is challenging, are you really my disciple? If having a comfortable place to live is important to you? Or if meeting society's expectations or receiving the wealth of your father is important to you? Are you really my disciple? If you have these other concerns that you want to put ahead of obedience to me, and this is what I've found in my own ministry. It's been a challenge in my life periodically as I've had to make choices about where to schedule my time and my attention. Even though um, we do have the new life that Jesus gives and that gives us a different set of priorities, we still struggle with the flesh within We still struggle with the world around us that calls us to live a different kind of life with different priorities. But I've encountered this in the people in my church as well. Where you invite them and challenge them to serve the Lord in an area. And they'll say to you, well, my kids are, you know, my kids are small, they're young. And when I have more time, when they're older, then I will find a place to serve the Lord. Then I'll get involved in evangelizing my neighbors or whatever. Then I'll get into the word and really under, you know, really study and, 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 and become a, a, a more devoted student of scripture. But right now it's not, it's not right for me. The time isn't right. Well, then what happens is children get older. And in some ways when your kids get older, they require less immediate attention, but their schedules require more attention from you. You know, I found this in our church with people um, who have children in the public schools who are involved in sports, where sports want to take over everything. And all of a sudden, people will tell me, well, you're not going to see us for the next five Sundays because my kids have hockey games every Sunday morning from now on. And I just think, well, okay, I understand that the world is scheduling hockey games on Sunday now, but is that the priority for someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, that you would 
rather or you feel compelled because the coach said so that that your kid has to be there for the game and to the point where you would miss the worship and fellowship of God's people in the local church. The point that I'm trying to make is that all of us and everyone that you try to lead and minister to for the sake of the Lord will have your priorities tested. You will have to choose at times in your life and the people in your church will have to choose at times in their life. The inconvenience of following Jesus and doing what he commands us to do, that's the one choice, and the choice of doing what seems appropriate, what is societally appropriate, what is most beneficial to yourself and your family. There are times in which you will have to make these competing, you'll have to weigh these competing claims and make a priority decision. And so what is Christ's answer to this? His answer to this is very simple. Drop everything and follow me. Don't try to schedule me into your life. And whether that means, you know, the point where somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, instead of saying, well, I'll wait till later after I've had my time of sin, you know, just evidence is someone who hasn't really had a repentant, changed heart. Or after we become disciples of Christ, dealing with these competing priorities, time and again, we need to be called back to this place where we say, am I following Jesus and I'm, am I willing to drop everything that's important to me to follow him? Or am I trying to schedule God into my life? Am I trying to make his priorities come in line behind my own? And so I um, urge you and I challenge you to um, think about your own life, even here as a seminary student. Preparing for the ministry and learning God's word is, is incredibly important. I would never encourage you to make that a low priority in your life in any way. But I would urge you not to use it as an excuse not to be pursuing Christ in your own personal spiritual life, not to be involved in his church and not to be serving God with the opportunities and the gifting, the opportunities in front of you and the gifting that you have. The time to serve Christ is never later. It's always now. And the reason is, of course, right right there at the end of verse 60. What was this man to do? He was to let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was telling people. I'm here. The kingdom consists of me. Now, drop what you're doing and follow me. And, of course, we're waiting for the consummation of that kingdom, literally in the future, after the return of Christ and the events associated with that. But Jesus calls us as his followers to live for that kingdom now, to be prioritizing our life and to be, to borrow the words of Christ, to be laying up treasure in heaven for that future kingdom. When's the best time to do this in your life? The answer is now, because this is the only moment that we are guaranteed. The truth of the matter is, this man could have died before his father did. The truth of the matter is that if his father lived for a long time, he could have been encumbered in other priorities. The truth of the matter is, his answer to Jesus shows a lack of understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ and a lack of true faith in him. And so I don't know what kinds of priority decisions you will have to make in your life as a Christian. I don't know what 
competing priorities you might be dealing with now. I don't know what kind of scheduling you're trying to do in your life where you say, I am focused on something right now, but later on when it's convenient or when I have more time in front of me or whatever, that's when I will serve Christ and be more evangelistic or whatever. Instead, I want you to focus on what Christ commands us, which is this, for his followers. He is the top priority. His work comes in front of and ahead of and is more important than anything else that we experience in life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, don't try to schedule him into your life. Drop everything and follow him. Let's pray. Lord, these are difficult words for us to think about and to um, integrate into our own walk with you because they rub against who we are by nature. They rub against our own selfishness. They go against our own internal desires and priorities often. They call us, Lord, to areas of, uh, of discomfort and, and ambiguity instead of what is safe and what is predictable and what is scheduled. And yet, Lord, we acknowledge that you are Lord of all things and that this present world, which seems so important to us and seems so precious, is passing away. Lord, we're expecting and looking forward to the return of our Lord, Jesus Christ. We're thinking about what it will mean to live in his kingdom and under his rule in a literal sense on this earth. So help us, Lord, to live in light of that coming day to, as the scripture tells us, to set our minds on things above where Christ is and not on things on this earth. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we minister to your people and we encounter people who have bad priorities, Lord, not to merely challenge them to think about their priorities, Lord, but to go deeper and talk to them about faith and about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The kinds of choices that we make in life are not really ours to make. The decision instead is to follow the commands of your word and to do what our Lord requires. And Lord, we know the promises that your word makes, that those who live for you and for your kingdom, those who prioritize their discipleship, and their service to you will be rewarded for it. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us to live in light of eternity, to believe the promises that your word makes, and to follow the lordship of Jesus Christ in every day of our lives. We ask this for his glory. In the name of our King, Jesus. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the DBTS Chapel Hour. DBTS is a ministry of Intercity Baptist Church. To find out more about Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, please go to dbts.edu.